Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you are a visitor, we want to just say welcome to Reliance. We're excited that you guys are with us. Um, we call ourselves a family, so uh, if you're here today, you are part of our family. If you're regular, it's always good to, to have you guys. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, this is an exciting time for us because uh, we're going to be focusing uh, the next few weeks on this, um, what we believe to be one of the key kingdom principles that every believer should know and buy into. Okay, and, and I want you to hear that. We believe what we're talking about with this multiplication is this, this, this kingdom principle. We say kingdom principle, we mean what God has wanted us to get in our hearts, that we should not only just know it, but we should buy into it. Because you can know something and not buy into it, amen? Come on now, amen? You can know something in your heart that's good and you're supposed to do, but not necessarily buy into it. And so we want to transition from just knowing that God calls us to multiply into actually buying into what multiplication looks like. And so this principle of multiplication is everything we believe as a key principle for what God tried to share with us. Let me, I know I've asked you this before, but how many of you guys were really good at math? Any good math? Like you, you aced everything, you destroyed everybody else's curve like mine in school. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, so some of you guys are good at math. I've confessed to you many times that math was never my strong suit, and uh, uh, it actually came really to fruition more than ever before this year, as my son is now a, a middle schooler, and uh, he just started algebra, which, just so you know, I believe the devil invented, amen? But, but you still need to do it, Tyson, all right? <clears throat> It, I like, I don't, I don't understand it. So Tyson will come and he'll ask us all the time. He's like, dad, can you help me with my math homework? And I'll always be like, go ask your mom, right? And so then he goes and asks mom and some, then he comes back and she said to ask you. And so I got to tell you, I feel like it's become my homework. Any parents like you resonate? Like I don't, this, I did this, I'm done. All right. I don't have to do this anymore. Like, and, and so I just want you to know that even though I feel like algebra was invented by the devil, I think YouTube and finding help was invented by God, all right? Because I get on YouTube, man, and I YouTube everything now with that, and then I found the greatest invention. It's a little app that I downlo- downloaded called Math Papa. Anybody ever seen that? It gives you the, the, the answers. So I look really, really smart when I'm with my son. I just want to throw that out. So anyways... You guys are looking for that's called Math Papa. But I just was never good at math. And I think that after kind of helping Tyson or trying to help Tyson, I think why I dislike the world's math and I love God's math is God's math doesn't always make sense, all right? I think why I resonate so much with scripture and God's math is that it makes sense to the kingdom of God. It doesn't always make sense to our world that we live in. In fact, so Jesus is like, I'm gonna feed 5,000, give me just a few loaves and a few fish and watch me, watch me work, right? And so I'm like, Tyson, just write something down. Watch God work, right? Amen? And it doesn't always pan out. So, but I resonate with God's math. I don't resonate necessarily with the world's math. And and I want you to know that that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about multiplication because we're going to look at some things in scripture over the next three weeks where you're going, man, how does that work? How does that work in terms of the kingdom of God? And we're going to talk about some of those things. And so just so that you guys are good, our goal as a church family when we get together is, yes, we want to get into the Word. We want, to, we want to study through the Word of God. We want to hammer through what God's Word says. But the reality is this. We don't want to just hear the Word of God. We want to become doers of the Word. 
And to be doers of the word, we have to pull out the kingdom principles that we're studying. And that kingdom principle, I believe that Jesus has laid out uh, about multiplication is one that he calls us to walk in. Every person in this room today who claims Christ has a kingdom calling in life, amen? You have a kingdom calling in life. Every person, if you come into this room today and you say, man, I said yes to Jesus, you have a kingdom calling in your life. And the main kingdom calling that you have in your life is to know Jesus and make him known. It's, it's really not super difficult, all right? It's to know Jesus, not to know about him. It's to know him intimately in your heart and then to make him known. And all of us in that kingdom calling, we have different kingdom assignments. Some of you guys are, are, are maybe in ministry. Some of you guys are missionaries. We see people in the business world. We see people in, in factories. We see teachers. We see doctors. We see lawyers, whatever. We all have these different assignments that we're in and that we're a part of, these different influences that we're part of, but we all have the same calling to know God and to make him known. And this was the mandate that he put on the church that he calls his body. And so, so really today, I just want to challenge our hearts in some things and, and what this calling looks like. We're just going to kind of talk some baseline things and then get in a little bit deeper over, over the next coming uh, weeks. But my whole goal is really to simply do this. I want to stir your hearts and convince you of something. I wanna convince you and hopefully stir your hearts that this kingdom calling of multiplication is the pinnacle of the Christian life. L listen to what I'm saying. To know God, to make him known, this multiplication thing is really the pinnacle of what we're called to in the Christian life. And so I really wanna convince you of that because I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier, which is we can know something and we can buy into something. I want you to buy into it. And so just to make sure that we do that, we've got a couple of things that we wanted to give you. And the first one was just this little multiply sheet that's on everybody's chairs when you came in. And, and, and the big question at the very end is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? So we, we don't want you to come in and just listen and then go out. We, we want you to write down something like, what is, so what is God stirring in your heart? And every week you'll get one of these and I wanna encourage you to use it so that you can really begin to buy into multiplication. Um, and then I wanna tell you about these two things real quickly. Uh, no, I did not write a book, so I'm not selling my books, okay, or anything like that. Um, but there's two books that most of this information that we're preaching on is coming from. One of them is called Spiritual Multiplication in the Real World. I wanna encourage you guys, if you're, if you're readers, I don't think there's a video on this yet, but if you're readers, um, grab this book because it really goes into the depth of what multiplication looks like in the kingdom of God. And then this book right here, my brother's reading it. And it's a real easy one. It's called, What If Jesus Meant What He Said? All right? So if you want a gut punch a little bit and, and, and you really want to kind of get smacked around a little bit, read this book because it's really profound that we would actually say, what if Jesus really meant what he said, right? And so I want to encourage you, if you get a chance to check out those two books, um, they're, they're really, really good. And you can contact me. I can tell you a little bit more about them. But th this is really what we're after. And we want to go further into this identity of multiplication. I've shared this quote in here before, but I, I think it's important to hear it again when we talk about discipleship. And this quote comes by Neil Cole, and he says this, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by one thing and one thing only, its disciples and its disciple making. He goes on and he says this, it does not matter how good your praise team is. It does not matter how good your preaching is. 
It does not matter how good your programs are and if you have the greatest children's ministry and if you have the greatest youth ministry. It does not matter what your, what your building looks like. It doesn't matter if you have fancy lights. It doesn't matter if you have the greatest landscaping in the world. None of those things matter if your disciples are passive and needy and consumeristic and not moving in the direction of radical obedience. Your church is not good. And I was like, oh, do I want to share that, Right? Because it's, it's tough. Because it's so easy to look around and see the outside and not always know what's going on on the inside. It's so easy to look around and kind of look and, and judge the whole book by its cover and not really see what's going on in the depth of people's hearts. And I want you to know something. And we, I, I just, we feel strongly about this. We don't believe that our goal is to entertain. We, we don't believe that, that, that our goal is to try to have the best program more than everybody else, and we're going to market it as the best program in the city. We don't believe that's our goal, but our goal is to make disciples who make disciples who, who, who make disciples. And I'll tell you why, because when Jesus comes back and, and, and the clouds rip apart, and however that looks like, again, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your theology looks like, but they're going to rip apart, man, and my God's coming, Right? But when that happens, he's not coming down and going, your building looks amazing, right? <laughs> the way you tied the brick in, it's fantastic. Like he's not doing, he's not looking at the landscape, all right? Because, well, it's shady around here, all right? <laughs> he, he's not looking at it. But I promise you, he's looking and he's saying, are their hearts intentionally going after other people, loving people, radical obedience to me? That's what he's looking at. And so when we put all of our efforts into other things, we're simply not putting our efforts into the right things. I'm not taking away from those things. I'm not saying that, that, that we can't expand. I'm not saying those things. I am saying, though, if that's our attention and our efforts, we're putting it in the wrong things. Amen, church. And so when we talk about multiplication, this is really where we're at. <clears throat> this is really where we're at. And I want you to know that what we're, what we're passionate for is important. What we're passionate for tells us something about one another. Uh, you guys know I'm passionate for, for K-State, right? You guys know that? And Sunflower Showdown just happened, I'm just saying, all right? And, and, and so I, I, I love K-State football, I love K-State basketball, I just, I just I went there, I, I just love it. And so I'm passionate and I tell my kids all about it and I'm like, you will go to no other school, this is where you will go, you will earn scholarships, you will do good, right? Um, not at math, but you will do good. And so I'm very passionate about those things. Well, all of my neighbors in my neighborhood are K KU fans, all right? And uh, these KU fans, they, they corrupt my four-year-old little girl, okay? And they teach her rock, chalk, Jayhawk constantly. And I'm thinking about moving, I'm just saying. And, and so I, one day I walked by my, my daughter's bedroom and she's in there and I hear her going, Rock, chalk, jayhawk. And I came in nice and quiet. I had a backpack. I put some clothes in it. I said, baby, you're, you're out of the house, right? <laughs> Just messing. She's only four. If she was five, she would be out of the house, all right? But, but she, she was just singing it, and I'm passionate for K-State, and my neighbors are passionate for KU, and, and so we're both like trying to tell them what they should, you know, who they should like and things. Here's what I want you to hear, okay? Whatever we're passionate about, we'll pass on. Whatever we're passionate about, we're going to pass on to somebody. So if we're saying that Jesus is everything in our life, that one day, man, like our life is not our life, our life is the life of Christ, and that one day he's coming back for us. And if we're saying that he's the pinnacle of our passion, are we passing it on? Are we multiplying it? 
Are we sharing it with other people? And so our focus, as you heard in the video, kind of our theme that we're going off of is what Paul shares with Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, when Paul says to Timothy, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to others, to, to other trustworthy people who will pass them on to others. So you got Paul who learned it, Timothy who's learning it, that he'll teach to others, that he'll teach to others. So you've got four generations and on and on and on who will continue to pass this on down. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that's the heart of God. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I want you to know me and make me known. And so I want to tell you why this is so important to us, church. And a lot of it, this is just going to be informational today. But again, I want to stir your affections in your heart because I believe it's so important for us. Before we talk about the calling of Jesus, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, there are two things that I want you to see. This is why this is so important to us. If you guys have your Bibles, go Judges chapter, chapter two, verses six through seven. The Israelites have entered the promised land. They've cleared out all of the strongholds that were there. What God had told them they could have, they're coming into. They're excited, man. The, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Everything that God said, they've, they've gone on this huge journey to make sure they can get their promised land. We pick up here in verse six in Judges two, and he says, after Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. Now look at verse seven. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Okay, so these men and women were serving the Lord. And it says, those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So there's two things that are happening here. One, they're serving the Lord and they had, <clears throat> excuse me, seen the things that the Lord had done. They had seen the things that the Lord had done and they were serving the Lord. Joshua passes away and we pick up in verse 10. Listen to what it says. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember. Somebody say, remember. Remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Church, I, I want you to hear what happens. You have this generation who saw the things that the Lord did, and so they faithfully served God. And then instead of passing on those memories, passing on what the Lord did, seeing the Lord continue to work, they didn't pass those things on. So a generation rose up that not only did not see the things that God did, but they decided they weren't going to acknowledge or follow God now. Let me tell you why that's so important because it's telling you and I today that we have to continually pass on what the Lord is doing in our lives, amen? This is why our witness is so important. This is why our testimony is so important because when we're passing on our testimony, we're telling people about what the Lord is doing in our lives. This is why multiplication and sharing with people what God is doing is so important. Church, this is key and we have to recognize this. It is our responsibility it is our responsibility to teach the generations after us about the hope of Jesus because it's so easy to forget, amen? It's so easy to forget. This responsibility, thank you. You are a godsend and you are a, a man of God. All right, thank you. Um, so I, I wanna share this with you because the responsibility does not belong to one person. This responsibility was not the responsibility of Joshua, amen? You're supposed to say amen while I take a drink so it's not awkward, all right? Amen. Thank you. 
This responsibility did not just belong to Joshua, it belonged to all of us. If they thought Joshua was the only one who was supposed to do it, they missed the mark. God's desire is that we all buy into this. His love for humanity, church, is so amazing that you have to understand that right now, when God looks down and he sees disasters and he sees the shootings that are happening, he sees the hate and he sees the wars and he sees the disunity between us. I believe, and just this picture that I have is that God's up there in heaven, man, and Jesus is sitting there and Jesus is like, can I go now? Can I go now? Can I go now? And God's like, oh, it's just not quite time yet. And Jesus is up there going, man, there's hate and there's wars and I'm ready to take my bride out of that. I'm ready to take my people that I love out of that. I'm tired of men and women having to suffer through what's going on in this world. And God's going, but it's just not time yet. It's not time yet. And listen to why he's saying it. It comes from 2 Peter verse three, or chapter three, verse nine. Listen to the heart of God. Why God has not stepped down yet into this chaos. Listen to this. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he is being patient for what? For your sake, for our sake, he does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. I know that there's a mentality out there that, the, that, that, that people have in the world that God just doesn't like certain people. It's just, it's just not true. It's just not true. There's a mentality of going, well, God only likes these kind of people, but he doesn't like these kind of people. Look, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves us, man. He loves humanity. He loves his children. He, loves, he wants people to come back to him. I truly believe that he's sitting up there going, man, this, this, this is chaos and it's, you know, tragedy and tragedy. And, and Jesus is like, can I go? And God's like, no, man, because I want one more. I want one more. I want one more. Amen, church. And so he's saying that this is his heart. And he's saying, church, do you buy in that this is your heartbeat too? Do you buy into it? Not just do you know it, do you buy into it? You see, there's a danger of taking this, this hope that we have in Jesus and hiding it way down inside of us. Is that we miss the calling of God when we do that. And, and I know from the very time that we're young, like we've promoted this and, and grew up probably in church. If you grew up in church, we're like, take Jesus, put him way down inside, right? Put him way down inside. Nobody can get him, right? It's just simply not biblical. You're not supposed to take Jesus and put him so down inside where nobody, he's supposed to come out of you. He's supposed to come out of you. And so I think what happens is, is we, we, we even have the song like this little item, don't hide it under a bush, right? Oh no, this, you know what I'm talking about? Don't leave me hanging. You know this little item, thank you. You guys are like, what a dork. <laughs> hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. And yet somehow we've bought into this mentality that our personal relationship with God is personal. And it's not, it's not personal. This relationship that you have with God is not supposed to be deep down inside of you. Yes, it's supposed to be deep down inside and take root so that it can come out. And this is where, church, I believe that God is calling us to, to be a part of his plan. Let me, let me, let me just say this. I believe that, that, that we, and I've shared this before in here, and it's a sobering status. It's from the Barna Research Group. And, and they're, they're renowned of doing research. And so when they, when they put out research, people take notice. And I've shared this in here before, but I wanna share it again. It says the average churchgoer, the average person who comes in and sits in a church chair, the average churchgoer invites someone to church on average one time every six to eight years. When I read that, I literally get this picture, all right? Like, man, I want you to know this hope of Jesus. I want you to know how he's changed my life. I want you to know how God could love you and how God loves you and God wants to love you and, and all this thing. And, and in about eight years, I'm gonna invite you to understand that, right? 
Like it's ludicrous because the things that we're passionate for will pass on. The things that we're passionate for will pass on. And I get it, man. For, for, for some of us, there's fear and like, I don't want to intrude in their life. Like, these are the things that go with me. Like, there's times where I run into people and the Lord's like, go talk to them, go talk. And I'm like, God, I just, I don't want to intrude in their life. They look like they're really, they're a happy family right now, right? But let me just say this to you. And I feel like God just checked my heart with this. And that is this. Somebody put away their fear and didn't care about intruding in your life. And that's why you're here today. Somebody said, I, I, like, because I know how we feel. Like, I don't want to rub them the wrong way. I don't want to cause them to dislike me. Somebody said, I don't care if you like me or you don't. I'm going to tell you about the hope of Jesus Christ, and that's why you're here. It's the same calling that we have on our life. And, And so when we talk about then this foundation of multiplication, what our mission is, real quickly, holy smokes, real quickly, really? Okay. I want to just run through it from Genesis to Revelation, all right? Listen to Genesis chapter 1. Um, we'll, we'll skip a little bit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply. The first command in humanity, the first command from God in humanity, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Now, now that was the very first commandment in Genesis chapter one, when God created Adam and Eve, the first thing that he spoke to them out of their mouth was be fruitful out of his mouth, was be fruitful and multiply. And I get that, and you guys know this, all right? He's talking about making babies. I get that, all right? He's talking about, and if you don't know what that is, we got a marriage conference coming up in the wintertime, it'll be good, all right? Um, and besides, I'm, I typically don't preach on the sex topic. That's Matt Lowry's that he preaches on. So, and you guys wait till marriage, all right? So, so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about making babies, but there's a spiritual principle behind this that God was speaking because he knew what he was going to do from the very beginning. There's a spiritual principle that he's talking about. The heart of God behind when he said be fruitful and multiply was something physical, but it was also something very spiritual. To be fruitful in that way and multiply is multiplying something more. It's multiplying the image of God across the earth, amen? It's taking the image of God because we know that we were created in the image of God. We know that God says to Adam and Eve, I'm creating you in your image, in my image. I'm going to create mankind in my image. So it's taking the image of God and it's multiplying it across the earth because God makes a big deal about his image. He wants his beauty. He wants his glory. He wants his rule. He wants his reign. He wants his love to be in every corner of planet earth. Amen? The command is take that image and go forward. And so we fast forward, we've messed it up and we get to the place where the floods just happened and God's like, all right, I'm gonna flood the earth and I'm gonna raise up Noah and his family. Let's see if they can do it. So right when Noah and his sons get off the boat, the very first words that he says to Noah and his sons, when they get off of the boat and they're getting ready to start over is be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. God never changed his plan. I want to see multiplication. He never changed his plan. So man sins, and we know that the image of God still uh, is distorted, and the image of God, you know, Noah and his sons fail miserably, and, and yet God is still committed to multiplication. Like, he, he didn't give up. He's like, man, Adam and Eve blew it. Noah blew it. I'm just, I'm done with it. He's still committed. He goes to Abraham. He says, look, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Like, I'm still committed to it. And then you fast forward even further, 
And he's like, they're still not getting it. Abraham screws it up, right? Uh, Noah screws up, Adam and Eve screws it up. We're just not getting it. We've got people that are coming in, they're just not faithful. They're going back and forth, they're wavering. So Jesus is like, God, I've got this, right? Steps down from his throne, takes on flesh as man, steps down from his throne. He's saying, listen, you don't know your value, I'm gonna come and show you your value, amen? You don't know the value of others, I'm gonna come and show you the value of others. Jesus steps down into humanity. He takes on our sin. He takes on our sin on his shoulders so that he can set it back right again. And so from that point on, Jesus validates the command to multiply. In Genesis chapter one, when he dies on the cross and he rises from the dead, he validates the very first command God ever gave to humanity, be fruitful and multiply. And here's how he did it in John 12, 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Listen to what he's saying, church. Through my death, it's going to mean more fruit in the harvest of God's world and God's kingdom. Jesus is stepping in on the scene and he's fulfilling perfectly what Adam and Eve could not do, what Noah could not do, what Abraham could not do, and what you and I could not do on our own. And so Jesus takes it upon himself and says, now you're going to be my image bearers and the Holy Spirit's gonna be in you so that you can do it, amen? And this right here, is how the church began. <laughs> That's why in Matthew 28, the great commission that he sends out and he says, go and make disciples, go multiply, go multiply, go multiply. And so I just want you to know on a side note, Jesus did not have to use, he did not have to start his ministry with 12 guys, he didn't. He could have just simply went around for three years and did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle until the whole world came to know him. He could have done that. But yet that's not his strategy. His strategy was I'm gonna take 12 guys and I'm gonna do some miracles that they can see, but I'm gonna pour my life into those 12 and those 12 then will change the scope of the world, amen? This is the model of Jesus. And so we've gotta ask ourselves, did he really mean it? Is this really what he meant for us? Is it supposed to be one guy who stands on the stage and preaches and that's what's supposed to change things? Or is it supposed to be 300 in this room that change things? And I can promise you it's supposed to be 300, amen? And as you go through the book of Acts, you see the same thing, and you see that multiplication is part of the very essence of what it means to be a Christian and to be the church. And so I want you to hear this. God has a perfect strategy, and his perfect strategy is us. And I want you to hear this. Some of you are really struggling with that because you just heard perfect and us in the same sentence, amen? God has a perfect strategy, and his perfect strategy is imperfect people. God's perfect strategy is our imperfection that he's going to use us. And it was not to raise up one awesome leader who speaks amazing, but a whole bunch of ordinary people who carry extraordinary power. To use a whole bunch of ordinary people who carry a whole bunch of extraordinary power in the Holy Spirit, who pray and give of themselves and suffer for the gospel's sake. This was the church in the early church. This was what it looked like. The problem is we've got these awesome pastors out there that we can podcast and we've got these awesome pastors out there that we can YouTube. And what we do, instead of taking discipleship on for ourselves, what we do is we say, man, you should really go listen to Francis Chan. And you should, because he's awesome, okay? But what we do is we say, I don't need a disciple. I'm not good at disciple making. And so because I'm not good at disciple making, Francis Chan is good at it. So you should go YouTube him. Here's the problem with that. Francis Chan isn't in your workplaces rubbing shoulders with you. Amen? Francis Chan isn't in our church today. I wish that would be incredible. He would be I'm just saying, amen. <laughs> Whoa, who said that? All right. 
Like he, he's awesome and he stimulates our hearts and, and he, he causes us to really think deeper about the gospel message. But at the end of the day, Francis Chan isn't the one that's gonna disciple your friends and your neighbors because he's not rubbing shoulders with them. He's not in life with them. He's not walking with them in tragedy and he's not walking with them in joys. You are. And this is why a great speaker or an anointed pastor will never do what God intended for the whole church to do. It's always been a call to the church. And some of us in this room, we, we know the certainty of the promise that God can do it through us. Here's the thing, though. We struggle with it. But let me say this to you. How greatly God can multiply and how greatly God does multiply through you depends more on who he is than who you are. How much he wants to multiply doesn't depend on who you are. It depends on who he is and what he wants to do. And so if he's got one person with their name on it and that's your one goal in life, then it's going to come because of him and not us. Amen? Church is so important. So how serious was Jesus about this? Let me just give you these staggering statistics and and then we'll figure out how to wrap up in a minute. Um, Jesus was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly um, um, into this identity of multiplication and everything that he did. The world's population right now is just, just over 7 billion, whatever it is. There's a book called Translating God um, by Sean Bowles, and I love it, and I've shared this before, but he says this, God's heart, it was broken into 7 billion pieces and put into every one of us. Our job is to activate and to speak to those hearts, Amen. So it's not like you're starting from scratch and it's like, I don't know what to do. Listen, God's heart, his DNA was put into each and every person. There's something that's been written on every single person's heart. So so when you come in and you're trying to activate that heart and say, man, God loves you and he's got hope for you and he's got a plan for you and he's got a purpose for you and he's got value for you, you're not starting from scratch because there's something already on their hearts. And if they reject that, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God, amen? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. And what we gotta do then is just continue to pray and push through that God begins to break that rejection of God. And so, so I want you to hear this because it's so important. When we buy into this, if we would truly be invested in this, if we say, we don't just believe it, we buy into it. And we said, I'm gonna share the gospel with one person. I'm gonna go after one person. I'm gonna see one person come to know their value in Jesus Christ while we walk and share in life. To, if we did that, and then that person invested in one, and then that person invested in one, and that person invested in one, will you go to that um, slide? There's this book down here, this, this uh, what if Jesus meant what he said, and they give this, all the way, first year, all the way through 33 years, and I just kind of jumped forward a little bit. But if you look at that first year, if you invest in somebody, you create two disciples, right? You and then that person, and that person will create two years, four, three years, eight, four, 16. Look at year 33. Eight billion people, if we even have that many, will come to know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if they'll accept it, but they'll come to know it, amen? Look at that church, it's staggered 33 years. We, if we buy into this principle of multiplication, if we just simply believe what Jesus said, we would make over 8 billion people an opportunity to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you why I think that this is so difficult. Because what happens is we look at the first couple years and we feel like we're not making an impact. You see, it's not really staggering. Really, year one through three isn't really staggering. And so year one through three, we're just like, I just, God, I don't know if my spiritual gift is disciple making, which is crazy because there's no such thing. Amen? If you love Jesus, you're a disciple maker. 
And so what we do is we give up. We're like, I just don't feel like I'm gifted. I just don't know if I'm good at this. But look what happens if we stay the course. That's why God was so passionate about this. If we stay the course, we change planet Earth, and everyone at least has an opportunity to hear the gospel. Not because of a gifted preacher, but because of everyday people who've had an encounter with Jesus, and they believe it, and they buy into it, and they've been transformed by it, and so they lead others in it. This is how the gospel spread through the first century church and through the first century towns and villages is simply this. It spread through self-denying. Somebody say self-denying. It wasn't about themselves anymore. Christians in those days were not known for casual association with Christ. They weren't known for casual associations with the church. They were known for complete abandonment to Christ and his cause. You see, church, I think what happens is this. The great commission for them the Great Commission for them was not a choice for them to consider, but, for, but, but was a command for them to obey. And I think what's happened from the first century to, to, to our century now is we're a lot like what happened in Judges. With each generation, we took away the command to obey it, and we made it more of a consideration to think about. So multiplication, the way of God, became less and less and less about people, and it became more and more and more about raising up a pastor that could do it. And we just missed it. And we, we, we literally, we've just missed it. Like the greatest platform should be turned around and you should be on the platform because you, you and I, we're, we're called to do this thing together. Man, I could talk about that all day long, but somebody's not gonna be happy. Okay. I wanna say one couple more things. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a manpower issue. We're not struggling because I know we know the scripture verse, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let me just tell you this principle, okay? And I, maybe... Maybe I'm inserting something. When Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, I don't think he meant like we don't have enough workers. I think he meant like there's a lot of lazy workers. Amen? And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just sharing this with you because I think this is important. Listen to this. A little over 2,000 years ago since Jesus' time came where he was on planet earth and passed and he's gone. Listen to this. Yet still around 40% of our planet remains unreached with the gospel. And for me, I'm like, 40% in our technology and our availability and everything, 40% of our planet still remains unreached with the gospel. Yet we have 9,000 times more manpower now than we did back then to finish the job. 9,000 times. Listen to this. Nearly 95,000, there's nearly 95,000 believers in Jesus for every one unreached people group. We don't have a worker problem. The harvest is plentiful, but sometimes the workers are lazy. Amen? And, and I'm that way because of that fear. And I don't, oh, I just don't know if I really want to rub them the wrong way. And I don't want to intrude. And, but I want to change that about myself. I want to be different because I know right now, if there's 95,000 believers for every one unreached people group, that this multiplication thing would work if we simply buy into it. Somebody say buy into it. Last thing. It's a quote that I read. As Christ followers, our lives are a letter read by all men. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3 says, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Paul says, your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Listen to what he goes on to say, and I wanna show a video 
for you guys here in just a minute. God's word does not say you should be a letter, nor does it say men should read your life. Rather, it tells us that you are a letter and they are reading your life. The singular question for me is this, what is the world reading in my life, Jesus Christ or me? Ravi Zacharias says this, Many people say there are five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian life. Unfortunately, most people will never read the first four. Let me tell you what he's trying to say. Most people may not get into the gospels right away, but they'll see Jesus in you. And so what are they reading in you? There's a question that we asked a guy and we said, who impacted your life and how did it really begin to change your life? And he shared a testimony of what it means when somebody impacted his life. His name is Graham, and we check out his video real quick. That's the key to multiplication, is that we all, we all carry an aspect of God. We are all made in the image of God. My name is Graham Fowl, and when I think about the people, the key people who have invested their lives um, into my life and really influenced me, one of the main things that they did that influenced me was um, was just their motivation of love. Like they truly loved me because of their love for Jesus. Like you could see it in them, their, the transformation Jesus had done in their own life and how then no matter what I brought to the table, no matter what I said, no matter what questions I had, what doubts I had, what sins I was in, it didn't really matter because they truly loved me. Like they created this safe and non-judgmental environment for me to be with them in that allowed me to take off all the masks that I'd ever put on, to take off all the religiosity that I had on. Uh, and they would, they would love me and they would accept me and they were with me through it all no matter what. Uh, and that was very key for me and very uh, influential for me. Uh, and in that, they were just able to ask questions that, that broke through religiosity. Instead of just trying to teach me and inform me, they, they tried to find ways by asking questions that, that um, allowed me to see my real heart and allowed Jesus into that. And then lastly, um, because these people loved Jesus so much, um, they loved other people. <laughs> and in their love for other people, they, they, um, they wanted to see lives transformed. They wanted to do things, that they, they wanted to do what Jesus did, and they believed they could. They believed that the heaven's realities could be real on earth. And so they would take steps, they would take risks, and they would see um, lives transformed when they prayed for people and um, just walking in the supernatural because that was normal. That was the kingdom of God. And, and so that was influential to me because like, I want to do that. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to live the way Jesus did. And they were doing it for real. And it was exciting. And you know, when I think about everyone who has influenced me and invested in their life, like they were all different. They all had different personalities. They all had different gifts. And, and that's, the, that's the key to multiplication is that we all, we all carry an aspect of God. We were all made in the image of God and we all need each other. And, and people need what I carry because I carry something of God and just like we all do. And that's why um, we need each other. That's how we multiply is, is by allowing other people to see us, to have, to see that aspect of God that we carry. Amen. Amen, did he do an awesome job? So good. But he said something key, we all carry an aspect of God inside of us. And listen to me, church, our, I believe our goal, our, our goal in multiplication is simply just to activate that in the hearts of maybe those who've never even encountered him. And so this morning, I wanna, I wanna give you a challenge and you can write it on your multiply sheet if you want to or, or whatever it is. Chris Vallotton ha has a quote that he says, and I want you to hear this. He says, 
He who gives the most hope, he who gives the most hope will have the greatest influence. When you start looking around and see everyone as part of his redemptive plan, you begin to fall in love. Man, I wanna see people the way that God sees people and, and, and I wanna fall in love. I, I, want, I want to see every life out there as part of God's redemptive plan. Every life that comes to know him, I wanna see it as like one step closer where God's going, man, here I come, I'm coming. Now it's time, I got one more, I got one more, I got one more. But, but it's not gonna happen because somebody's preaching to you or even at you today. It's gonna come because you buy into it. And so I, I, I want you to know whatever your time looks like today, I think that this is the most important thing that we can do today. And so if you just give me this one minute, and that is this, who is it in your life that you need to burn the image in this year to say, man, I'm gonna pour my heart into that guy, into that gal. I'm gonna pour my heart into them. I'm gonna rub shoulders with them, rub elbows, do life with them, walk in their ups and downs. And I'm going to watch God radically transform their life because I believe in this vision of multiplication that in 33 years, 8 billion people can hear the gospel message. So who is it? And I'm gonna have you pray through that. And Brian, you can turn the lights down and I wanna encourage you, prayer team, come on up. We're gonna sing this song. Prayer team's gonna come up. They're gonna be at the two crosses. And if you just need courage right now for that person that's being burned into your image right now, if you need courage to go and speak to that person because you're afraid, come and ask the prayer team to pray for courage over you. If you know that that person's just a hard case, man, and there's like, man, you're just worried to go up to them and you're just saying, God, I need you to soften their heart first. Man, and t take some time and pray with the prayer team that their hearts would be softened. If you've got something else that's just in your heart right now, come and pray with the prayer team. Let them pray over you. We need one another. But today I'm praying that that person's image will be burned into your hearts, that you can begin this process of multiplication because we believe it's a kingdom principle that the church needs to rise up and take hold of. Let me pray this over you guys today. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus today as we close out, Father, here in just a moment. I pray, God, that this image is burned into our mind of this person. And I pray, God, that that image is so burned into our hearts and to our minds because we have love for them, that we see them as part of your redemptive plan. They're not just a person out there. We're not looking to notch our belt, say, look, I, I, I saved one more person, I'm gonna move on. But God, we're looking to walk through life with them. So Jesus, we pray this over everybody in this congregation today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you wanna find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.